Hello and welcome to the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven women. Each week we'll talk about what's grabbed our attention, productivity hacks making our life easier, and chat about a purpose-led brand. Hi everyone, welcome back to this week's episode. This week I am talking about uh, COVID consumer behavior and how brands need to adapt with this new pandemic consumer behavior information. I talk about how to be courageous with your branding and a really, really good role model in this space, Brené Brown. We also discuss the sweat app from fitness influencer Kayla Itsines and how successful they've been just recently in the last few years. She's making all the monies. All the monies. <laughs> How's your week been going, Alicia? It's been good this week. We've been editing podcasts, planning an integrated and above and below the line advertising campaign for a tech startup, meeting with a new client, which is in the food space. And I actually went to the meeting hungry, which is never good, (laughs) especially when you're talking about food. Being Uh, hungry is never good in general. I know. Um, We've been doing a bit of social media management for a few clients and just general life with two little boys. How's your week been? Pretty much the same. Very (laughs) hectic. (laughs) Yeah, lots going on. All right. What's got your attention, Jade? So this week I wanted to talk about uh, a poll that has tracked consumer reactions um, since COVID. So the past year has really upended how people work, um, how they consume things and how they interact with brands. We all know that. Yet, um, most of the trends that are happening, everyone's kind of saying that, um, those trends were already there. They're just being accelerated. They were already going to happen, but the timeline has just moved it, um, moved it forward. So a Harris poll has tracked a number of consumer behavior reactions since the pandemic. And they've come up with four key trends about pandemic related consumer behavior. One is the touchless revolution. Two is the betterment boom as they're calling it. Three is revenge spending, which I love that term. And four is the uncalendar year. I wanted to touch on all four, but a few are more interesting. I find more interesting than others. So the touchless revolution, I think is, it, it makes sense. We're all avoiding touching the things that everyone else is touching. And it's just brought all that forward, which is fine. They say a crucial point in the touchless revolution, however, is while brands need to provide touchless options across all channels, as the pandemic subsides, there will be a need for some human interaction. The key is striking the right balance. So I thought that was worth bringing up because although, yes, for health reasons, we need to make everything as, um, as simple and touchless as possible, we still don't want to use the lose that human interaction mm. with customers. Mm. And I think that's a really important point is while we're doing all those things, how can we still make sure we're providing um, connections, emotional connections with customers while still being socially distanced? It's mm. quite hard. It's quite a hard mm. thing to do. Mm. Yeah, I think it comes down to understanding the expectation from the customer and where you can offer that extra service now that there is so many formalities in place with the experience. Those Those formalities, though... I don't think they're going anywhere. And I think this article touches on that. Mm. Um, And to be honest, there's some places that definitely need it. I was talking at the GP yesterday and wearing masks inside the GP um, reception is actually 
makes me feel better. Like we're, so, you know, everyone wearing masks in there because there's people that are sick and possibly are contagious. And so with everyone wearing masks, they, yeah, we're wearing them. So um, I think it's just definitely looking at adjusting that customer experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, they said brands will need to find the balance between touchless while providing some human touch when it comes to servicing. And those will do will emerge as the winners. So I think that's really important. We have to look at really creative ways to create connection with customers mm-hmm. because we're losing some of, um, some of that human interaction just because of the things we have to do. The betterment boom is the next one. They say there's going to be um, this focus and attention on personal wellness and health. And I think we've seen that already in the market. Mm. Um, And that's a big opportunity for marketers. Mm. So I think that one is just, it's worth noting, but I don't think that one's, I think we already saw that trend. Oh, totally. The industry is massive. Um, But what I want to talk about is revenge spending. Yay! (laughs) So we only just recently had a five-day lockdown in Perth. Um, and I made a few lockdown purchases. Did you? Totally. (laughs) Totally. But what I found I was doing, it wasn't just purchases to make myself feel better. Although there were a few of those, I must admit, it was a couple to counteract some of the things we have to do. So obviously when the mask thing happened, I, in Perth, we hadn't had to wear masks. So up until that point, so Mm. I didn't have any, so I had to run out and buy, um, just the, you know, the disposable ones. Mm. And I was like, well, this isn't great for the environment and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the Mm. other things, you know, people aren't taking, um, keep cups during that time. So you're using more, you know, the takeaway coffee cups. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? Um, and I've been meaning to do this for a whole, a whole year of Archie's life and I haven't done it yet is buy reusable nappies. So that was one of my revenge spending purchases. Mm. So I think while some things are spending to make you feel better, some things were also trying to counteract some of the other measures we're having to take. So I'm trying to make up for it in other ways, I Mm. suppose. So I think that's really important for people to remember is how can your product or service fit into that mold of people revenge spending in that way. Agree. Did you do any revenge spending? I bought a light to make me look better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that counts, but I definitely want to talk to how brands can then benefit off the revenge spending. So as you were saying, people are in a, in a time of wanting to feel good from your brand or product. And I know that's pretty standard. However, it's more crucial than ever now. So it actually brings to the surface how you can talk to that era with your product. So I want to explain some different service, some different products or services that might not necessarily think their brand could mm-hmm. do that. Yep. For instance, if you're a physio, your marketing should talk to someone who has been possibly at home needing to just relax. You, If you can offer a relaxing service within your physio realm, that's what you need to talk to. That's what your marketing should be leading with. You need to look at what your audience is needing and then answer that. So for instance, if you're an electrician and you're you know, needing some more business, looking at your marketing as to how your business could make someone feel better, we can we can create more USB points in your house. We can create yeah, more data points and make it easier for you to go about your day with charging your devices and look, look at how you can make someone feel good with your brand or service. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to, um, wanted to look at. There's, there's so many ways that you're, you might think that this doesn't, you, you can't benefit off revenge spending. You can, yeah. <laughs> there's a way your brand can adapt to this yeah, you've just got spending. to be creative about it. Be creative about what service you offer and what people might, how people might 
how you can make people feel that that possibly would benefit them and make them feel good about themselves. Yeah, I think that's the key, making people feel good about themselves. It's a, it's um, drilling down to how your product levels will make them feel on an emotional level. Yes. Yeah, very much an emotional level. And it can create new customers. So mm. it will create new customers. And it's better than just talking about your standard services. It's actually mm. connecting with that with new audience and utilizing your channels where you're probably just promoting what you've always promoted. Mm. Let's step it up and be savvy about how you talk to them. Yeah. And I can think of lots of, I pretty much can think of a way to adapt most services or products. So I'll be happy for people to send in what their service is and I can flick them a bit of a, a bit of a reply. Yeah. Um, but I, I would just give it a go and, and yeah. I can show you what I would do to yeah. talk to the audience, um, and make them feel good about your product or service. All right. There you go. That's, that's one for our listeners. Let us know. We get some, get back to you. We get some DMs. Yeah. <laughs> um, number four was the uncalendar year. So they said less certainty around, um, Less certainty around standard signpost events, um, and this impacts the way marketing campaigns will run. For the time being, these routine events can't be relied upon to tether campaigns to as they once have been. So I think it's so important that, you know, our team sports aren't running like they used to, our big events like sporting events and concerts and things like that, that a lot of brands would normally run with seasonally and things like that aren't happening. Mm. Um, so a lot of people are using, still using that set and forget type approach. You know, I'm going to sponsor this campaign for this period of the year and then forget about it. Mm. So I think um, it's really important that we can't really think in conventional timelines anymore and we really need to rethink the way we plan and it has to be short-term planning. It can't be long-term planning at the moment. Look, I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> I think you can long-term plan and I think those that do short-term planning are those that don't end up doing any plan. Sure. They end up just being reactive and just quick. Let's, you know, we need more business. Our business is going down. We need to do a, do some spending on Facebook or do some spending. Mm. Um, you know, let's, let's do a local campaign with a radio station. You know, the people that are, that are, that aren't planning are the ones that are being reactive. It's just the way it goes. People are too busy not to plan. Yeah. I'm, and I understand what this article is talking about with, with the uncalendar year. I think these brands need to plan and the uncalendar year doesn't give you a free pass on not planning your marketing. I would like to see brands still planning their year of, of their campaigns, but yes, marketers are so used to being agile and having to quickly stop a campaign, you know, put on hold. Gosh, I can remember, um, how many things over the last 10 years has there been Massive world events. And this isn't the first year. And yes, it's the first year of a pandemic, Mm. but it's not the first year that we've dealt with a crisis. We've dealt with crisis every year. There's something that happens. Mm. Look, just looking at Perth, we have, we've, we have bushfires. We've had so many, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that happen and world events. There's massive world events that we suddenly have to look at how that affects all the campaigns that we've Mm. got rolling out. What are we going to be next to if it's in, if it's, if we're sponsoring a news site? Marketers are used to being agile, and I would say that just because it's saying it's an uncalendar year and we can't put events up and, and you know have have our marketing completely locked in stone, well, we never could. I, I sure. yeah, I did a um, marketing campaign for a tourist destination where we had to pull everything because uh, there was a crime scene um, at the at the place. So we all suddenly had to stop our campaign, wait till it 
wait till that article had, and all the news hype had finished about that place and then pick it back up again. Mm. We, we're used to having to adapt. I wouldn't say that this year is making us making it more challenging for us specifically because we've always dealt with hard, mm. different circumstances and we're used to pivoting as marketers. Yeah. All right. Well, takeaways um, for small business. Um, touchless, yes, but you still need to be providing human interaction elements and emotional connections for consumers where you can um, and making sure you're understanding how your product or service betters your customers in some kind of health-related wellness aspect way and you know telling them that go on revenge spending is okay make them feel better um, as best you can and agree with me or agree with Alicia <laughs> um, don't expect your plans that you've made in three months to go 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 to plan basically um, you need to be able to adapt and be nimble um, I think short like kind of shorter relevant bursts are quite important at the moment that's if you do them. If you don't plan, I'm sure you, <laughs> you won't do them. You plan those short, relevant bursts, I'm saying. <laughs> All right, we'll agree to disagree. Do you want to know which marketing activities will generate the best ROI for your business? Do you know you need to market your business, but you don't know where to start? Do you have a handle on the whole marketing thing, but you want to make sure you're on the right track? Our coaching package was designed with you in mind with a two-hour coaching consultation and a customized report to help you implement your new marketing strategy. You can handle your marketing with confidence. And don't forget, it comes with follow-up calls and email support from us. Book now at marketingthatmatters.com.au. I want to hear from you. What's got my attention isn't a new talk or even a new name in this space, but it's very relevant for our listeners. Brené Brown, the Netflix show The Call to Courage. Brené Brown is known for her TED Talk on vulnerability in 2010. That TED Talk has had over 52 million views. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I wanted to discuss the talk The Call to Courage, which you can find on Netflix. If you haven't seen the vulnerability one, I would definitely go watch that too, but that's 10 years old now. I particularly wanted to look at this talk against a business owner creating their purpose and creating their meaningful connection with their brand and their audience. Some of her takeaways in the show can really connect to a business finding their truth in their marketing. She says, vulnerability is not winning. It's not about losing. It's having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. Belonging is belonging to yourself first, speaking your truth, telling your story, and never betraying yourself for other people. Now, if a brand could speak their truth and really show themselves without being afraid, or vulnerable. That's exactly what our whole podcast is about, the true connection. So watching this and possibly watching it with your business hat on rather than your personal hat on, because it can definitely be watched in two ways. Like I watched it at first from a personal level, but then watched it again as a marketer. And it's different what you take away from it because you're thinking about different things. So I specifically wanted to look at brands being vulnerable and yeah, what and that and being courageous with their own with their how they connect to their audience. What do you think? How far have we come? Like the fact that I think they said in the article vulnerability and shame has now gone mainstream. Like mm. I think how far have we come that we're even talking about these topics? Like I even think when I was growing up, like it was never okay to be like vulnerable. And like, if you felt shame, it was almost like something to hide. Like it's, she's really brought this like out, you know, it's amazing really. Yes. The fact that we're even talking about this. 
And I think where she says um, the pathway is through vulnerability and having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why most brands shy away from being authentic and vulnerable is because you can't control how people are going to react to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is the crucial piece to connect with customers emotionally. 100%. And I think more so this year than ever, I've seen brands doing this. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're almost being left behind. And brands that are at the forefront of being vulnerable and letting all their wrinkles and all their all their the different assets of their of their business be shown are the ones that are are getting major momentum behind them. Yeah. And people are becoming advocates for brands that are being vulnerable. Yeah. And hence why I think we're seeing the the adoption of all the major brands starting to do it too, because so yeah. many smaller, medium-sized brands are having success with it. Yeah. The larger brands are like, all right, looks like we're showing all our, you know, showing <laughs> all, our, our, flaws, all yeah. our flaws too, because yeah. people are connecting. Yeah. They're not only showing the flaws of their own and um, being vulnerable and things of their own business, but they're also showing their audience as a whole, rather than picking target audiences that are particularly aspirational. So mm. they're, they're not just, putting forward an aspirational look or image brands are widening that and Mm. going, look, we are, we do talk to lots of people and we're okay to put all these different types of people at the forefront of our brand. And someone can come and argue with me on the, on the Facebook group or LinkedIn group or Instagram group or wherever that they should have always been doing this all along. You can't tell me that brands would have always done this. They would be so scared. This would be a huge, huge courageous move Mm. from the, from a, a board board perspective to show a range of different types of people as their customer. And I'll give you an example of bonds. You sent me the bonds ad. Yep. Yep. And there's people literally dancing in their underwear in a field. Yeah. We'll post the link in yep. the show notes. They're all types of people. Bonds. Yes. Is a very progressive company yeah they've done a few ads like this. we discussed in our previous episode yeah, yeah they were early ado- adopters of this type of branding but there's plenty of brands that are also doing it and i'm sure there's been debates in boardrooms about putting different people yeah. yeah and and almost and being vulnerable and showing courage exactly what brene brown's saying and putting their brand out there as as a brand that represents all and I think we're only going to see more and more of this. And it really excites me for the, the world that our kids are going to grow up in mm. because we have almost done half our life with an aspirational image in front of brands, yes. but our kids are going to grow up with realistic, realistic. And it excites me as to who these people are, who we're all going to become. And, and even like what your daughter is going to look at as to who they're looking up to. I like what you're saying, but I'm going to disagree a little bit and we'll talk more about it when we talk about our brand feature really soon because I think there is still a long way to go, but we're going and heading in the right direction. More than ever. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to also mention, um, I think this is quite, being vulnerable is quite relevant from the era, era of social media. I think it's easier for brands to express this through having social media. I think it's harder to do through mainstream mediums. Even though they're doing it. Yeah, but I think social media has almost given everyone the gateway to do it, if that makes sense. But because I find those brands that do do it on in mainstream ways, you know, see if you see a bus back mm. with with an image that you usually wouldn't, I applaud that. Mm. And I think, wow, because that's gone another level. Because yeah. it's not just a social media post. Sure. 
it's yeah. a more tangible yeah. medium. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think of an example just today. I was listening to a um, Rachel Hollis podcast mm-hmm. and I've followed her for a little while, read a few of her books, listened to her podcast here and there, but I don't feel particularly like aligned to her in any way. I wouldn't be like a massive advocate for her or anything like that. But she um, said something today in one of her podcasts, she referenced um, High School Musical. Which is like, it's not something that everyone would be like, oh yeah, I've watched it, loved the movies, you know, especially because she's like late 30s, you know. Um, but because she did, because I got it and I've watched those movies, I felt such more of a stronger connection to listening to her stuff and just, um, you know, dealing She let with, a little wall down. Yeah, she, she let a little wall down. I could have been someone that didn't like High School Musical and got onto Instagram and been like, hi, you're an idiot, but I wasn't. But I'm sure there are people that might might have done that or yeah, would do that. but you could connect with her but a bit more because you're like, oh, get... back in the day I watched those exactly. when I was younger. Exactly. So I think that's a really – just an example for me just today sure. how someone was able to be more vulnerable and that created a better connection with a customer. Yeah. Um, but also it can go the other way. But I think the – what you're going to get, the meaningful connection you're going to get with those customers is going to outweigh some of the negatives mm. you might get, mm. hopefully. Mm. Yeah. I, I also wanted to talk about, I've had clients that I've sat in front of them and said to them about, you know, being courageous with, with more of their marketing and showing more of themselves. And they often asked whether or not that's giving away too much because sometimes being courageous might be giving away something they think is their core because Mm. it's a big part of their business and they've never shared it, but that's what they're talking and thinking about constantly. They're like, but won't won't our competitors copy? And I've had to say to them, well, if you think they will copy you just by knowing that, if they can recreate your business just by knowing that one thing, is your business extremely stable? Yeah. Because that's like quite massive that someone could copy you and create your whole business of knowing one thing. Yeah. And you know what? The answer is always no way. Yeah. It's we've, you know, we've worked years and years and years for this. Yeah. They couldn't just copy it. Exactly. And to that I say, let, take the leap of faith, be courageous and let your walls down and show your customers exactly who you are. Yeah. Now, this is an, a good quote from her. <laughs> she says from Brene Brown, sometimes winning is not coming in first. Sometimes winning is doing the really brave thing. Maybe winning for you is just coming off the blocks and getting wet. Brene Brown. The reason I like that is because what we're saying here with everything we're doing with the podcast and having a purpose and connecting, I'm not saying that it's going to make you the first in your field, in your, um, your brand, necessarily the strongest brand. But what I am saying is that you will create more meaningful connections. And if those meaningful connections get you more sales from that one cus- from those customers, then isn't that doing its job? By putting putting having a leading with your purpose, your marketing will be connecting. And yes, you might not become the first in your field, but it's you're actually now playing in the you're playing in the realm of good marketing rather than not. So I would say watch this Watch this Netflix, think of your business, and then jump in. Yep. If you can't tell, guys, Alicia's really passionate about this, so I think you should all jump on and watch Brene's Brown's documentary. (laughs) When am I not passionate, (laughs) Joe? Never. (laughs) Do you need to dive deep into your brand and discover your brand's purpose? Do you want to connect in a more meaningful way to your customer but don't know how? 
Does your marketing lack purpose or you don't know how you differ to your competitors? Our Find Your Purpose package includes a two-hour workshop in Perth or via Zoom, a marketing strategy report with your purpose at the core, advice on how to implement your new marketing strategy, plus content ideas and supplier contacts. And don't forget, it comes with follow-up calls with us and email support. Book now at marketingthatmatters.com.au. I want to hear from you. So the brand we're talking about this week is Sweat. Sweat is already one of the largest sport and fitness apps in the world, publishing digital-based content from their personal training experts. It includes high-profile founders, Toby Pierce and Kayla Itzines. Is that how you pronounce mm. that? In just six years, the brand has built a community around millions of 25 to 35-year-old females. And in 2018, they pulled in $100 million in revenue. Oh, I know. (laughs) With just its $19.95 per month subscription offering. Today, they operate in just under 150 countries and they localize content in seven different languages. Alicia, what do you think about Sweat? Um, I had from their website that the Sweat brand is made by women for women and the purpose is to empower women through fitness. Well, let's build an app that has a subscription <laughs> model. That's all I can say. See you later, guys. Yeah. No, this, this app has been extremely successful and far out what a absolute tycoon this girl is she was fantastic in the early days you know with her what is it called bg bbg yeah which is her bikini body guides um definitely years ago they were they were around a lot in 2014 so now i didn't think she could go further i was like where is this gonna go and now she's got this app that's i think annually it's about a hundred dollars 120 dollars annually to have the app but when i was looking more and more into it there's just add-ons and add-ons and add-ons and add-ons so the hence the hundred million dollars yeah revenue but in regards to her purpose that's what we're here to talk about not um, how much money she's making far out the sweat brand is made by women for women and the purpose is to empower women so very women-centric which we've been seeing it's not great to have a purpose so female focused you know, what's there's all about equality at the moment and mm. even say the shameless girls i just noticed don't say that at the start of the their podcast anymore right. um we're in the shameless mm. girls have changed it to people not women yeah. okay so i do find that having a brand that's i think it might be a bit limiting for her having that i would it shouldn't be so focused on just women because i'm sure there's plenty of men that are doing this as well However, I love that this is a purpose that is empowering people and that can obviously encompass a lot of different things. Yeah, Fitness, of course, being one of keeping people healthy, but empowering them brings in a lot of, brings in the confidence, brings in um, feeling good in yourself. It brings in the whole mental health aspect, which is awesome for a brand to tap into and be aligned with. So I think she's on the right track beside the, the women side of things yeah i think um they've been successful in just focusing on the one product like they just have the sweat app they don't have you know like you said they can expand this quite quickly if they wanted to and do a lot of range of products but they just focus solely on the app and by doing that it's allowed them to do things like they did with snapchat so they had um sweat became the first australian brand to utilize snapchat's um ar advancement so um the, they had like an interactive tool that would track the customer's body and um, help them with technique, 
mm-hmm. in terms of what they were doing, I saw that. which is absolutely amazing. So I think them just focusing on that one product has allowed them to do some really amazing things with that one product. It's obviously mm-hmm. worked really well because they're obviously making a lot of money from it. But what I wanted to say about her as well is um, if you I think Kayla at Science Herself is probably a, a big factor in this brand, obviously. Yeah. Um, and back when she started on Instagram, she was the OG of before and after photos. Yeah. That she was kind of that, that one who really, that really took off on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and the customer testimonials being the marketing content that was selling the product. Right. And they still do that throughout their socials. Yeah. They still do that. that now. Although I still think for a large brand, I feel like their socials could be, I expected more from them personally, but they're still using that. Even though they're not selling her bikini body guides anymore, they're selling the app. They're still using the same kind of content. Interestingly, when you purchase the app, you actually get those BB guides. Um, what is it? Bikini body Bikini guides. body yeah. guides. <laughs> you get two of them that people have already purchased, which has caused a little bit um, of negative feedback about the app because people are saying, I've already bought it. Then what, what are you giving it to me again? And then you get a third one. So there's three in there. And then there's all these add-ons within the app that you can purchase more. So different things, apparently like a, a guide that includes a foam roller. And I think there's nutrition help and things as well. I just wanted to raise though, like we are talking about before, if you go on the homepage of their website, five women, all very muscular, all very tanned, all very much the same. Um, and I'm just worried that it's like they, they're going straight down the track of that aspirational marketing, not so much as achievable and relatable as I would like to see it. Yeah. However, if you go look on the Instagram, the last, the third last post is one of their customers who definitely isn't the muscular fit person. So I would say that they are trying and I think you said before about that they that they were one of the first to have, you know, um, feedback from customers, but yeah, probably seeing that translate onto their major marketing platforms too would be good yeah. and having a bit of diverse, more diversity in there. They've, yeah. they've definitely got, um, diversity within the races on the yeah. website and they're not all necessarily Caucasian, but whether or not they don't have really body shape. And for a company that launched, they only just launched in 2015, the, um, the app. But then I feel like I've only seen it in the last year. Uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing it earlier on, but I never thought it would take off the way it did. No, sure. <laughs> I feel like last year's really when it came into its yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. And not sure why that was. Maybe the Snapchat um, has helped that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure whether they always had those like kind of five ambassadors that they've had. Mm. I think they've brought more people on right. the time. Well, it's definitely gone gangbusters now and you can't get away from it. Mm. I'm hearing, I'm seeing yeah, it everywhere. Seeing it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely think that I expect more from a brand like this to, to have more different aspirations than just the muscular. Yeah. Because I feel, I just feel like no matter how hard some people try, what you eat, what, how you exercise, you're just never going to look like that. Some people, mm. I, you're just not built that way. Mm. Um, and yeah, I feel like there just needs to be some more diversity in, in that area. And if their purpose is empowering women, yeah, you would it's ex- only empowering a certain type of woman. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Because people, so a lot of people know that they just, no matter what they did, they're not going to look like that. Yeah. 
I'm going to quote Seth Godin this week. The first favour is when you ask a friend or colleague to do something for you. The second favour is when you ask them to do it precisely the way you would do it. They're not related. And the second one costs you more. Grammarly. Why have I not used this before? Grammarly is an app that automatically detects potential grammar, spelling, punctuation, word choice, and style mistakes in your writing. Grammarly's AI flags potential issues in the text and suggests context-specific corrections that you'll use again, again, and again. That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love a chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing That Matters podcast.